Hey everyone, welcome to the Outlier Health Podcast. I am Matt Frazier, joined by Matt Tolman. And uh, Matt, I got news. Every time we do these, we seem to talk about my sleep disorders, which is also how we start the morning shows. They often begin that way too. Uh, <laughs> I've I found a little bit of success recently, and it has at least uh, correlated with my stopping drinking alcohol uh, temporarily. Not, I have no intention to give it up for good, but uh, I think I've been in denial for a while that it really does impact my sleep because sometimes when I've done limited tests of not drinking it, it doesn't fix it, but uh, I don't know. I've been four or five days now, and um, the sleeps are starting to get better each night. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a big factor. Okay, why are you in denial? Because I like wine too much. I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite things in the world Let's, to have a glass of wine. We're talking, so we're talking about alcohol today. That's the theme. Glad to hear your sleep is is getting better. It's important to all of us. Um, but but let's set the stage. What is what is the history, the arc of alcohol, and where are you right now in your in your journey, you know, with addiction and uh, and and denial? Well, I I don't want to uh, lessen anybody's real struggles with alcohol by by you know saying these phases of addiction for mine because I I can't call it that. It's it's just too easy to to drop it when I get any incentive to do so, like the sleep thing, um, but. I don't know. I, I think since I've had kids is when I began, maybe not coincidentally, began drinking like as a matter of routine, like finish the day, kids are in bed or whatever, and like have a glass of wine, have a beer. Uh, and just, you know, it was like a celebration sort of uh, ritual. And and one that at back when I started it, which is now 13 years ago, I was still of the belief that it was a healthy thing. I thought this is a, this is a you know nice treat and it happens to be good for me, good for heart health. Uh, as long as I'm not overindulging, which I really almost never do. Uh, so that's that's where I am. But then like in the past, since really 2018, these this like no safe level of drinking kind of talk started happening and you learn about the cancer risks. And now uh, Huberman talks all these scary things about what alcohol actually does in your body. Uh, it's enough to make somebody want to stop drinking. And I think that's, I mean, perhaps part of the reason why a lot of people are. I think there are many, maybe not many, but there are fewer yeah. drinkers now, I think, than there have been in in recent history. So what about you? That's my that's my story. Yeah, I mean, look if <clears throat> if you look at um. By the way, you have to change the title of this conversation. Stefan, not diet and exercise secret to stay young. Um, maybe maybe this has to do with dieting to stay young or that's the right. diet inputs. Um, yeah, look if you look at alcohol sales, and it's been some years that since like the advent of the term sober curious, right? And I think it's it's sort of like as people start drinking kava and and uh, um, you know CBD infused drinks, and um, obviously THC, and got all these other kind of replacements, if you will. I think that's probably in, at least in some ways driving the change. You know, there's okay. a whole there's a whole generation of like, uh, the younger you are, the less likely you are to drink because I think people have maybe just picked up. And that, I don't think that has anything to do with, you know, the heart health or the brain shrinkage, or like, you know, the thing that's mostly that, you know, kids have more access to marijuana probably. Okay, um, I actually didn't really have, yeah, that's not I mean, as positive it's a theory. I haven't I haven't looked into it. I think there's there's multiple cross-cutting trends here. I think there's definitely the health <clears throat> perception piece, which is sounds like to some extent for you, definitely for me, 
<clears throat> I think there's also younger generations that look at it in a weird, different way than past generations. Maybe those two things are related, okay. but mm -hmm. definitely if you look at, like I say, millennials and younger, the rates of drinking are like considerably lower. Maybe because they're getting hmm. their dopamine from Instagram and TikTok instead. I don't know. And then there's Maybe. like the third, you know, the third one, which like it just doesn't have the same place in 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 our culture as it did during the 1950s Mad Men era, where you drank three martinis at lunch, right? Like it's just. And I think all of those, you know, the the drivers of those change, and and then those changes themselves are all kind of cross-cutting, conflating variables. And I, I don't really know what's going on to answer your question for me. Um, I've never really had a healthy relationship with alcohol. Like I, I don't know. Um, for me, it has never been something where I've like, Oh yeah, I'll have half a beer. Cause like, I like the taste of beer with dinner, you know, it's like mm -hmm. that just never, you know, I'm, I'm too much of an extremist maybe. And I've always, uh, uh, probably enjoyed the buzz and that has always been like, you know, to me, it's like if I'm if I'm working out, you know, if I'm trying to set a PR for, you know, and running, you know, like if I'm I've got an objective and in, in my career that I'm working towards, like I've always looked at alcohol as as being an impediment, right, for mm -hmm. protein synthesis or sleep or whatever, and like I would always set it aside and use it as like a when I need a release, when I want to just like check out, like it's there. Um, and I think that's a really unhealthy relationship, right? Like it's not sort of the cultural, like I like red wine. I've always thought those people are lying to themselves anyway. <laughs> like, you know, the people who say like, oh, I, I just, I just enjoy the taste, right? I, I'm not sure about that, but that definitely wasn't me. Fast forward, you know, it's been about uh, probably a couple years that I've really stopped you know, any sort of regular drinking, it's really become like a, a couple times a month, if that, which like with a certain set of friends where it's just like, that's like, you know, part of that, that friend group. Um, and then really in the last year, since May of last year, I've, I've like progressively gone almost to zero. And then, you know, as you know, we've had a, um, a baby in the hospital for a period of time. And like, so I am just super, focus on staying healthy um, mm -hmm. so that I don't get him sick. And so immunity, another impact of drinking and sleep and all that stuff. So like, I just stopped. It's been, you know, four months. I think I, I think I had like a couple of sips of champagne on New Year's. But aside from that, it's been like truly four months of and, and it's just clean and sober. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good for you. I mean, that's uh, that's great. It, it's not easy to do that. I even, you know, I've gone month or two at a time and it's it's i don't know it just it's just hard to to me it's like it's too it's it's just in too many things too too many events and things where like it's just very easy to to get back to it and i guess like i said i never really had the intention of giving it up for good so that's why it's always easy to come back but uh but yeah i mean i know how, how difficult it is for many people to, to stop drinking so uh you know way to go on that note but you mentioned the health it's funny i was seeing the other day because i you know i still will drink one or two glasses of wine a night just recently haven't, but like very typical thing. But when you, when you look at the numbers, like two glasses of wine per day, that equates to 14 per week. And I think like 14, 15 is considered heavy drinking by most of the standards. And like, that's a pretty 
normal amount. I wouldn't say I'm always at two glasses a night, but but it's easy. There are weeks when that happens for sure. And it's just funny that like I can spend so much time thinking and reading and learning about health and arguing about stuff and nitpicking stuff even and saying splitting hairs and whether this is healthy or this isn't and how much should be whole food and how much shouldn't. But like there can be this one thing that is just sort of exempt from all that conversation because it's unrelated. So you can have people who argue like crazy over whether vegan or paleo or carnivore, whatever is the thing to do, but both of them drink an unhealthy amount and they, you know, literally a poison. And in like, just as a matter of routine, just keep putting that in their body as if they're trying over time to cause a health problem. Uh, but that's not like discussed. Like it's just accepted that that's, that's what people do. So we're not gonna talk about that when it comes to the health. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 um, my wife has often said that if you woke up from a hangover with a hangover, but like you didn't know what it was, right? Like mm-hmm. you didn't know it was alcohol. It wasn't socially acceptable. If you had like, if you didn't, I mean, to say it another way, it, what if you had a, you know, a sandwich the night before, right? And like you woke up and like you were off balance, you were dehydrated, your head was throbbing, like you you were sweating, right? You, all this stuff, right? Like you'd be like, oh my God, I got poisoned. Like some, something is like dreadfully wrong with this situation. Like what, what had happened last night? Like that sandwich right, was never not good. Like, again, ever. Right, my body cannot tolerate that. And yet it's for some reason, you know, just culturally acceptable to be totally out of commission for like an entire day yeah. Because you you poisoned yourself. I mean, yeah. like you say, it's it is it's a neurotoxin. It hits every cell of your body. It's not good, and yet we are totally cool with it. And like some people are like hair of the dog. <laughs> like, right. like oh, you know, it's a great solution for poisoning yourself. Like you know, do it again, small, such small that day, you right? numb yourself to to maybe how you currently feel. Right? It's a wild thing. By the way, we uh we've been talking about homeopathy or homeopathy. That also seems to keep coming up in these things. I looked up the actual definition, and it is that it is that a substance that causes a symptom of a, of an illness is thought perhaps that that can cure the illness by having that very tiny diluted amount of that thing in your body. That's that's where the homeopathy comes from. Look it up. I did not know that. Yeah, so they just dilute Wait, like so, crazy, so and now it's in like your your local health food store. It was like little blue bottles with like boron, right? Yeah. So, and there's like a, so you're telling me those are like little little tinctures of poison that are related to the but they're But they're diluted so much. They're diluted to like one part per million or some like tiny, tiny amount. And it's, and it's like, it's like, it's this weird belief system that like this thing having been, that water has a memory and it's in the water. It's just like a crazy thing. I'm telling you, look it up. It's, there's a lot of weird stuff. Uh, I'm waiting for someone who's I'm big sorry. into this up to, to angrily write to us, but no one has yet. I I think we should absolutely do a deep dive into placebo and homeopathy because yeah, you just that. said water has memory, which, by the way, I know what you're referring to, and there may be you know structured water and crystals and all sorts of things that we can get into, but um, but back to other water, fire water, tequila, <laughs> right. and other things. Um, I, here's my question to you. Like, if I look back and I and I was thinking about this this myself, you, you know, we're you know we're doing some new things and there's some new people in our lives. And I was thinking about um, potentially traveling to this trade show, you know, a natural foods expo thing. And 
Um, and uh, particularly to meet a bunch of people who are in, you know, sales and marketing. And I can just like picture what's going on there, right? It's like mm-hmm. guaranteed there's going to be a lot of drinking, you know, the, even at a natural health foods type yeah, expo, right, right. right? Like ironically, you know, that, that uh, persona, that stereotype, I, I should say, we're stereotyping here. Um, you know, it's, it's very much fueled with uh, alcohol. Um, and I was thinking to myself, like, you know, I, I, I guess that's probably going to be my first, you know, uh, interaction that, that feels kind of that social pressure. And like, why do I feel like I would, I would drink in that situation? Like I, I actually, I prefer not to drink now. Right? At this point, I'm at, like, I, I, I was uh, thinking about getting together with a high school friend recently. And I was seeing myself like, honestly, I don't even want to, cause I kind of feel like I would feel that pressure just to kind of go along with it. Cause like, it is such a part of the, the social setting, right. As we call social lubrication. And, and that's what brought me back to this, like this trade show thinking about like, I want to fit in, I want to develop relationships, right? That social lubricant generally makes people a little less shy, a little bit more outgoing, a little bit more fun, right? And like, it was a really interesting thought process. I ended up saying, you know, I, I really like feeling good. I really like meditating in the morning. You really can't, for me, you really can't meditate if like you're hungover. And I, I get, I do not tolerate alcohol well, probably just lost the tolerance to like any amount of alcohol. You know, I feel it the next morning, I'm tired, I'm low energy. Like I just, I don't see any reason why I would have it in my life. So that's a whole long setup to say, what is the point of like, of drinking? (laughs) Yeah, right. That's a, it's a great question. And I ask myself that sometimes because it like, it doesn't really like, I don't really enjoy the, that feeling that of impairment that comes with it. Like, like, and that's in a way it's good. It makes me not drink, you know, more than three drinks in a sitting and just almost ever, uh, because I don't, I don't like it. And I know some people I think who have more of a, a predisposition or a you know, tendency to become alcoholic would, you know, they don't, they don't feel the like slow down, uh, mechanism and they just kind of want to keep going when they start. Um, but, I still believe that I really do enjoy a lot of it. Like I love drinking wine from, from Spain or Italy and like learning about the region, making food that goes with it. it. It's to me a kind of escape. Like it, it's a way of recreating like what it would feel like to be somewhere else, living somewhere else, adventuring. Right? It's like, it's a way of doing that on almost a nightly basis if I want. Um, and, and to share that with someone. And we know like there are, there's the whole blue zones thing, right? It is associated with most of the blue zones, these pockets around the world where people live a long time. Um, it's typically part of those. That's not the same as science says it's good for us. It's just that it's associated with those diets. Um, but you can, you can imagine we've talked about this a little bit on this, on this podcast, this, you know, overlap between happiness and health. And you can imagine a small amount of alcohol being like you said, it helps with the social interactions and it makes, perhaps creates more happiness in the moment. And if you can limit it to amount that doesn't actually cause almost any, you know, effects the next morning um, that you notice, you know, then, then why not? Right. It, it, it makes for a good time. I mean, Matt, you're, you're one of the smartest people I know, particularly when it comes to these things like statistics and probabilities and, you know, calling BS and yet you're able to contort yourself into this wonderful, 
<laughs> justification. And it's like, and, and, and I've been there, man. Like I, I have, I mean, as far as the blue zones go, my, my sober argument to be like, um, how much of that is just correlation, right? It's probably yep. not causation. Like how much of that happiness, you know, is, is tied to it. Like this, does it matter how, like, it'd be impossible for us to offset any of that to, to understand truly, like, you know, well, actually they could be even happier and even healthier and, you know, who yeah. knows? They right? might just be addicted to alcohol, like almost everybody else. And that's why they think, <laughs> right? <laughs> or, or, you know, as is the case for, with so many things, right? Like if you look at Sardinia, right? These are extremely active people living at an elevation and like traversing hills all day, every day, walking a tremendous amount, interaction, purpose, right? Like, you know, not to mention Whole Foods. Um, so like there's so many variables there that it's hard to say, but even more so, I guess, one of the, one of the profound, I think, evolutions in my, in my thinking is like, it, yes, I am more comfortable around a new group of people, for instance, or in an intimate situation, I, intimate, you know, meaning, you know, friendly or, or, or romantically, whatever it is like, and if I think back to my earliest, you know, like in college, right. Like definitely there's that social lubricant and, and it allows for intimacy more, right. Like you always hear that saying, uh, you know, a, a drunk man's words or a sober man's thoughts, right. Or, mm -hmm. um, right. it's like, so you're more open, you're more candid, maybe, maybe that's to a fault, right? Like a lot of relationships get damaged because people don't mm -hmm. know, know how to mind their words. But for me, like I've, I've kind of come to the other side of that equation, which is like, what do I need to do to actually allow myself to feel the freedom um, and the, you know, call it, I don't know, uh, self-consciousness but in, in a positive way right like to to feel all the feelings you know what i mean and like and to be and to like sit with the discomfort of saying something right without that lubrication to be able to express yourself right like i i you know have that conversation with your dad that like you you want to have um before it's too late right but but not to rely on alcohol Right. And I think intimacy can go a lot of different ways, like I say, romantically or that other end of the spectrum, like talking to your kid, talking to your parent, talking to a friend and telling them that you love them in a really deep way without necessarily relying on alcohol um, to help unfilter you. And I, I've really been trying to work on that. It's 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 really tough. Yeah, yeah I mean, like it's a very mindful uh approach right experience life as it is doesn't i think uh there's some sort of off-color term that one of our uh teammates uses i think it's raw dogging life basically fair yeah you're, you're muted. I, okay that's i was just letting you go on that that path um you know because right. we're like four episodes in here and we're you know, I think every time we've we've joked about getting canceled for something, I think raw dogging life, um, you know, we're certainly going to niche out a part of our community that that appreciates our humor and and candor. Um, I mean, but like, I think there's there's we may be 
scratching at the surface of something important, which is like, there are people who use alcohol as a crutch, right? And that's, I think what we, you know, are referring to. Um, certainly at various points of my life, I, I saw that it was, it was an escape. It was a way of numbing, you know, or, or it's that social lubricant, um, <laughs> social lubricant in, in the context of what you just said now starts to feel uncomfortable, but, um, and then there are people who like you, it's just routine. And I wonder, and that's where I go back to like the people who always say, well, I just really like red wine for the culture. And, you know, I learned about grapes and I learned about regions. And I learned about the complexities and I've got the app and this is a 4.5 bottle. And, you know, it's like, yeah, and I right. hear that and I'm like, well, orange juice has a lot of complexities as well. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, true. You know, the pea protein milks versus almond milks versus oat milks, right? Like, you know, we, like you could say that about donuts, right? Like, you know, and there, and Hey, there are those people, right? Coffees. I know, I know you've got the high sheer ground grinder and That's you've right. educated us on. So like, I, I don't want to immediately discount someone who develops that, um, that, that love, that passion, whatever you want to call it, right? Like maybe that's true, but there is some part of me that has always thought to myself like, but is that true? Or is that just like an excuse because you like to feel a buzz every single night? Right. Um, right. I, don't I don't know. Yeah. And coffee does the same thing. And, and I mean, in that it does give you a, a buzz, right? It's I guess psychoactive. Is that, I don't know if that's the right term, but I think it is. Uh, yeah. It's the same way. And I'm trying like, what else is there that people are like connoisseurs of that don't, and and go to the lengths that they do with wine uh, and the money into it that that doesn't somehow mess with your brain. And I there aren't many things. So I think you're right. Like if there wasn't alcohol and wine, I don't think there'd be any. You know, hmm. this whole industry wouldn't be there. It just it just it is an excuse for sure. Grape juice connoisseurs. <laughs> yeah, and I've had the experience of like you drink wine in the night, and then at some point at the end of the night, or some reason for whatever reason, maybe take pills is what I do it. Uh, that I have to drink some juice, or if I have to take uh, creatine powder, I'll stir it into some juice. And it has occurred to me, it's like, wow, that fruit juice tastes a whole lot better than that other supposed fruit juice that I've been drinking all night. <laughs> like, why why do I not want to drink that at the end of every day? And like, right. feel like that's what I want to learn about and think about different cultures. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. And I, I will wonder later when, about like other foods that are just like, is is alcohol actually worse than something else? Like, is it worse to have a glass of wine or a soda every night? And I don't know. It's it's I think it might be worse to have the, the sugar I don't think alcohol is the worst thing in the world. In many ways, it's these drinks might be better than juice, right? It, it doesn't, it doesn't have a lot of sugar. Like I don't think you should drink juice every night either. It's not a, I don't know. You're, you're putting yeah. a bunch of sugar in. So anyway, that's that's kind well, of alcohol a, is sugar plus alcohol, right? True. Yes, but I mean it, it I mean, takes the sugar, it turns it into alcohol. So it's it does something different, and it's also not. There's good. there's sugar in in there. There's right? some, but there's very little in red in like dry red wines. There's not very much residual sugar. But there's right. dry, dry wine. And there's yeah. calories and then, from the alcohol. And by the way, that's another element of the, I was just looking for, um, that's a, uh, um, another element of this like sober curious industry that's, that's, that's coming about, um, which is these, have you heard, what was it? Dry farm wines. They're like, they're low alcohol, like low sugar. They're, predominantly being marketed to that like kind of um keto uh 
the keto world, right? Um, where it's like you can you can have your cake and eat it too, essentially. Low calorie, you know, lower calorie, lower sugar, lower alcohol, you know, biodynamic and tested for for uh, um, pesticides. I thought about buying it. I, I've only discovered it like in the last six months, and it just you know I'm I'm kind of past that, I guess. But if I was to drink, like it's pretty high up there. Yeah. In terms of, I mean, better, right? Yeah, it just it just seems fake to me, right? It loses that like authenticity and like what I like about wine. Like I said, like it just feels like you're connected to these other cultures in some way. I guess if you gave me a population that really did drink that kind of stuff or super low alcohol wine, I could get excited about that. Uh, and I, I like that the ones I drink, like these old world wines are like 12% alcohol for the most part. They're not 15, 16, like a lot of us wines. Uh, so I enjoy that. That's a good thing, but I'm not trying to say it's good. Um, so let's, here, uh, let's here's somebody, my question. Me, yeah. What's up? What do you got? Cause I want to, I want to put a, a finer point on this. Um, cause you, you have not committed to not drinking again. And to some extent, I've not committed to not drink again. I don't intend to drink and, you know, like, and I'm not putting a time on it, right? I've, I've called that essentially sober because I don't want the pressure of saying I'm never going to drink again because, <laughs> look, I'm going to go to a wedding and I might drink. And I don't want that to be a big deal. I don't want to track it like Alcoholics Anonymous where it's like, this is how many days you've gone. This is how many years you've gone. And if you have one drink, you start the clock over like that. I don't need, and it works for some people, some people you and I know and love and like more power to them. I think there's something very, very powerful with streaks. Right. But I also think that like, you know, you break that streak and it's like, you are overboard, right? Like it is, it is, you know, like a very bad situation. So for me, like essentially sober, works because like i said it was new year's it, it's been a tough couple of months like i decided i'm gonna have a little champagne i actually got about you know maybe a few sips in decided like why am i doing this <laughs> it's just gonna make me tired um and like i don't feel the need but i'm curious because you haven't you haven't established that you're you're still sort of you know in this in this phase and like we know that alcohol like you know because we, if you can't process it fast enough, it builds up in the liver, it seeps into the brain, it disrupts white matter and gray matter, it causes inflammation, it disrupts sleep, like all this stuff. Like you, we know this stuff. I'm curious, is it really the culture? Is it like, you know, you won't drink dry farm wines, you know, because you want the the real thing. Like what what is it about it that that like keeps you coming back? Despite knowing yeah, that's all that, great. which I know you know. I do know, and, and I want to give you some stats in a minute about why that I think are surprising in how undangerous it is, um, which is, you know, you have to have that. If it was really dangerous, I think I I think I think would, like I said, if I get an incentive, I, I can stop doing it. Like the sleep thing, I would gladly trade it if I could just keep getting good night's sleep. I'd be, I would love that. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I like it too much. Like I, I really look forward to like, getting to drink a glass of wine. Like I just, it just makes me so happy. It's, it's just great. I don't, and I don't have a good reason, but it's like a, it's like a joy in life. And I, and when I try to examine it and say, do I really actually enjoy it? And it always ends up like, yeah, I really do. Like it's, I just, <laughs> I just, 
I don't know. It's just one of those things. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm, I do a lot of other stuff very healthily that it's nice to have an indulgence because I don't need desserts or anything like that. Um, so it's like maybe you need something like that, and that happens to be mine. I don't know. Um, anyway, I have two uh, interesting sort of stat things about, about alcohol and its dangers. So it was in the 90s, it was began to be thought to be a heart healthy thing, and that exploded, certainly with the help of the alcoholic beverage industry. Like we talk about how like it's just part of the culture and people just sort of assume this is okay and this is good. Like certainly industries played a big role in that. Like just like with food, just like with the social media, like there's stuff that isn't good for us. The message spreads that it is good for us whenever there's any bit of uh of evidence to suggest that it might be. And so of course that happened. Um but then it turned out the reason all that stuff, like all that 1990 stuff about alcohol is good for us, the reason all that was flawed, and this came from Dr. Gregor when I learned this a long time ago, was that they failed to account for people who didn't drink because they had had a health problem. So they stopped drinking. So basically they looked at like number people, how, how the average, you know, mm. rate of death in a year for people who had zero drinks, one drink, two drinks up to like five or more per day. And the people who drank zero drinks per day had, had more mortality. They, they died more often than people who drank one or two per day. So people started thinking, then one or two is protective in some way, right? It's better than drinking nothing. But the big flaw there was that, like I said, a lot of people who don't drink, who drink zero drinks per day, they do that because they have to, because of their health condition that has made them no longer be able to be drinkers. Um, and so it just totally flawed all these things. And somehow that was missed for a whole lot of time. Um, so that, that you know, put to bed this idea that alcohol might actually be good for us. And in many ways it did. Like that, I think, was the major problem. Um, but then here's here's what I think is interesting. In 2018, there was this big thing that came out. And, and after that, they were saying, it was a big meta-analysis, and they were saying there's no safe level of drinking based on this. Um, you know, what we've what we've looked at from looking at all these different studies. But here's the numbers that they got from that. For each set of 100,000 people who have one drink a day per year, 918 of them can ex expect to experience one of the 23 alcohol-related problems in any year. Okay, so that's a little bit less than 1%. People will have an alcohol-related problem in a year. But of those, if you don't drink at all, 914 people out of 100,000 uh, would have an alcohol would have a, have a, one of these same problems per year. So the additional risk is four people out of 100,000. If you have one drink per day, four people out of 100,000 will have one of these alcohol-related problems per year, which is just shockingly low to me. And that's from the very data that that led everyone to conclude there's no safe level of alcohol. Like that sounds like a safe level of alcohol to me, doesn't it? One drink per day. Yeah, but you're double the safe limit. You're two. Yeah, today. right. For sure. If I'm having two per day, then yes, I am. Which I don't do every day, by the way. Um, so now you're but eight, eight in a hundred thousand. No, it's not. It goes you, up much more than four, that. Four. Oh, it's okay, much more ahead. than that. At two drinks per day, the number goes up to nine hundred seventy-seven. So nine hundred seventy-seven compared to nine hundred fourteen, if you had none. So now we've got some one so percent, sixty-five people out of a hundred thousand, which is like. What 0.1%, I think. Um, can't expect to have a problem. So that's not nothing. That's that's more substantial. But these are tiny, tiny numbers for to result in the conclusion there's no safe level say, of drinking. I was about to say that there uh I, I I can't imagine that that's the only study, but look, I, I didn't prepare for this conversation, so I'm going based off of common knowledge around some mechanistic theories, which I know you love. 
you know, about yeah, how um, how uh, alcohol contributes to seven different cancers and how alcohol, you know, I mean, look, there are different types of alcohol, right? And like some of them, if you drink any amount, you die. Like it's completely toxic, you know? Um, yep. Ethanol is toxic too. It's just that we can tolerate ethanol in a different way. And as it turns out, the our, the cells in our liver can process and you know can go through the conversion process with ethanol to acetate and it and it doesn't kill us immediately but it's if it builds up right like it starts like i say to impair our thinking and you know it decreases you know uh um hrv and all, all these different things that we measure as you know potentially bad things over time right um yeah, it, it you know when you look at the population data that you just laid out, like it does call to mind some of the suburbs, like walking on the street, <laughs> like how many people right. die, you know, from, right? Right, like you know biking, right? Like probably more than walking, you know, driving more than biking, right? Like you know, I mean, um, and so at what point do you do you start to say like you know what many 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 people in my family extended and otherwise would say which is like what's the point of life if you're not going to live right um there's a great quote about that uh um you know like uh don't fear dying like fear not living you know mm -hmm. like so i'm with you there i hear you <laughs> but i still go back to something that i've personally been working on in my whole mindfulness journey which is like what what part of it's not like walking or biking or driving you don't need it and you're probably using it for something that you don't want to admit to yourself you know um because again like and, and by the way um uh i was just who was it uh i was with somebody who doesn't really drink much and i i, I didn't drink during you know we were together um uh, she decided to drink and uh, she's like, you know, I, I, now I realize why people drink so much, right? <laughs> like, you know, like her bad day turned a lot brighter and like, she got, you know, peppier and like, we were working through a business problem and like, and she just like, that was her decision, you know, it was late in the day and that's like great for her, you know? And, and, and so I get it. I just also wonder like, what could what else could we have done that is maybe more creative to her soul you know like you know breath work or exercise or you know non-sleep deep rest or just hugs i think people should hug a lot more <laughs> if we hugged as much as we drank the world would be a better place so i don't know maybe you and i should should make this our, our focus because you know there's something deep about this and and you bring up some very interesting science yeah, you're right. It is a deep thing. I think what you said about like about it, it's not worth living if you're not going to live or whatever it was. Um, I think that's a pretty weak argument, and I'm and I'm arguing against alcohol here being like this is living is drinking alcohol because like so many people who who will say that you know or someone who says the same thing about you know eating a bunch of junk food or not exercising because to them not exercising that's living. Um, like once you once you go through the painful point of breaking the addiction, either to being sedentary or to eating junk food or to drinking alcohol, you get on the other side of it, 
and you see that you can actually you find more joy that you actually find life is more joyful without this thing that you thought you had to have in order to live. Uh, so I'm totally with you. Like that's not a very strong argument. Um, and I also think like, we're not really talking about much middle ground here, but I think like there's totally room for that. And you kind of got it this earlier with being essentially sober. Like you don't have to be essentially sober or, or essentially a everyday wine drinker. Like you could be something that is, that is much less. And I've seen, uh, some interesting stuff from Peter Atia that was saying like, I forget what exactly what the data was, but it was saying that like across all levels of alcohol consumption, like if you reduce by a third, like you get pretty dramatic health benefits. Like, like the, the number seems to not matter depending on where you are. So even if you drink reduced from three down to two, not from, you know, 10 down to seven, like even as what seems like a small difference, three glasses a day versus two glasses, like there's still significant health benefits to be uh, gotten from that. And so I think like, that's, that's really like, if I'm honest with myself, like, it's like, yes, I, I really do enjoy drinking wine. But the conclusion of that isn't, therefore, every single day at the end of the day, I should have that, right? Like, it could be once a week. It could be twice a week. I can still enjoy this thing that I say that I enjoy so much. Um, but if it's not a true addiction, then I probably don't need to have it every single day. So that would be a challenge to myself or someone who has the same argument as I do. Um, I think we're wrapping up round one, but I'll ask you one other question. And then, like I said, I, I came in totally cold. Um so I have to do some more, some more deep thinking. Um, but I wonder how much of it is just habit. Cause like in my, in my twenties, you know, I, I almost use it as like a, a strange form of fuel. I didn't get hung over in the same way. And so if I was, you know, had a long day, uh, you know, working, I would often come home and I'd have more work to do. And, you know, or I would be on the road and, you know, go to the hotel bar and somehow like you'd have a beer or two or, you know, a glass of wine and like you'd get that, that lift in energy, you know, mm -hmm. short yep. term, short term yep. uh, for sure. Not a renewable source of energy by any means, um, but I wouldn't wake up hungover. And so I could do that and buy myself a few hours perhaps of, of getting through the inbox. Right. Um, Again, in hindsight, you know, it's even silly to, to say because, uh, you know, who knows what kind of impaired thinking, you know, once you got how many emails down two hours later and you're just so tired, you should really be sleeping, which is obviously what I advocate for today. But thinking about that in the past and just how habitual it was to your point, right? Like you just, you ended the day and whether it's going out with friends or, just getting a little bit more work done. I didn't have kids, so didn't have any responsibilities in that way. And, and it was just incredibly, like I say, it's habit, right? Like now, you know, my, my evening routine looks a lot different and now it's almost reversed where if, like I said, I, I feel that pressure because I'm meeting up with some, some uh, old friends that I know, like that's what he does when he goes out with his friends, right? Like that is, like you meet for drinks from five to six thirty, and like, yeah, like that's that's kind of the routine for in his life. That's a very different habit for me, and all of a sudden that butts up against like my routine, which is, you know, all about the next day. At that point, I'm in I'm in re recovery and cleanup and planning and like, you know, trying to 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 achieve something the next day. It's a very different lifestyle. So I wonder, long way of asking, 
like how much of it is habit? And if you kept going on your current trend and you like you gave it three months, right? Like, or you replaced that habit with something else, a long walk, you know, like mm -hmm. how much of right. that would change? Yeah, I do believe a lot of it is habit for sure. Because what I've noticed, and I think this is true of most everyone who kind of drinks socially, is the number the number of the amount that you drink doesn't go down over time. Like it will only go in one direction. That is that is more right. Which, which what happens with addiction? Right? You get you develop some sort of tolerance to it, and then you need just a little bit more to get to that level. And so, my history with alcohol is that I'll I'll have this one or two a day, and then like over time it'll start to creep up to be more and more. Where like I won't even consider just having one glass a night because it's just like I'm not gonna. It's not gonna do. It's not gonna be as enjoyable as I want it to be. And so then it'll get to a point where I was like, you know, this is too much. I'm gonna stop for a couple months or whatever. And I guess just to prove to myself that I can. Uh, and then gradually over time, it you know it seeps back in and then it, it increases again. So yeah, totally. Like I think it is a habitual thing. And like I said, once you get on the other side of that, uh, if there's I guess the desire to. But that's the thing. Like, I don't. I don't. I just don't see like I don't have any real desire to do that. Like I don't have. It's not like my life is so greatly affected. I have these thoughts of like maybe this is not healthy in long term, but I'm not really even convinced of that. So I think that's my thing. I don't have any real incentive. But the sleep thing has been one, uh, and like it hasn't. You know, I haven't even thought about it once I decided that. It, like realize that it helps me sleep better. So that's just where I am with that. Um, what you said about getting energy from it is interesting. Cause I know like the body does prioritize alcohol. It'll, you'll burn your alcohol calories first before anything else. Cause your body just wants to get rid of it. Um, and like, you know, everyone knows what, you know, a, a boisterous like pub atmosphere, when people start drinking, they get loud. They, they, there's energy that they are getting rid of and people wake up hot in the night after they drink because your body's burning off that energy. So I think there's a real thing to that. Like it, I don't, I've never heard of it as, a, as an energy giving thing, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if somehow it was documented that it does have a, an energetic, uh, even if it's a depressant, if it has a sort of stimulant effect in the very short term. Um, yeah. So it may, yeah, it I don't know. Have, I don't, like I say, it's a curve, right? Like it's a, it's a fast up, but then it's a, right. it's a fast down right. on the other side right. too. Right. Um, this is very interesting. I was I'm surprised at uh, where we both landed in this in this conversation, and I think we should turn off the recording and talk about what we do with it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week as we always are. Keep listening to the Outlier Health Podcast for Plant Based Morning Show, No Made Athlete Radio, and this show. Uh, if somehow you got this podcast without being subscribed on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can go do that. You can also join most of these shows live uh, on youtube.com slash athlete. That's the current URL. Uh, but you can go see us do these things in a live setting where you can interact with us. All right. That's it. Uh, talk to everyone soon.